0: everyone, welcome to the USL Show. We're brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and we're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Goal Press. Thank you everyone for listening in today. Uh, It's a special show. We uh, skipped out on Tuesday night due to Open Cup games. That could possibly happen again uh, this next upcoming week, but either way we wanted to kind of follow up with something that I've been trying to make happen for a long time. And that is to kind of get information about other leagues. And um, one of the people that has always been willing to talk to me about that is Chris Kivlahan. And um, he was willing to come on the show and talk about everything. And, you know, we focus on NISA in the beginning. We talk about a lot of other leagues, including the USL, of course. But um, I just wanted to say a little something at the front to say, uh, you know, listen to the beginning, but the really good stuff comes at the end where we just kind of talk and and honestly shoot the shit about everything um, lower league soccer and soccer in the United States. So um, I just really, really like where this conversation ended and I wanted to make sure that was clear from the start in case you got a little bit uh, iffy in the beginning. Um, my hosting wasn't as good as it could have been this week, but Chris made up for it with, uh, with all the other stuff. So um, yeah, just wanted to say that. So uh, here's the show. All right, I'm live with Chris, uh, Chris Kivlihan, uh, just figured out how to pronounce that name. Uh, Chris, it's an honor to have you um, on the show today for the USL show, and uh, we're going to talk about lower league soccer, we're going to focus on Nisa here at the beginning, but um, you know, first of all, welcome, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's an honor. I mean, you've been at this for a long time. I thought we'd start with that, actually. Can you kind of enlighten us all and give me more specifics about how you came about getting into this world of soccer and, and specifically who you were writing for for so long?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I write for Midfield Press. Um, you know, I, I started... Uh, you know writing writing for midfield press i think at the beginning of 2016 i want to say mm. uh, jason you know the the former uh former editor-in-chief of the site reached out to me uh you know i was posting some stuff on like reddit you know he liked some of the stuff i posted it's like hey you want to write it you know you know put you know put some of your ideas into an article so i was like sure why not uh i had some free time in my hands at that point um and, you know so you know i i wrote Uh, a series of articles that um, you know if you look back at like I think it was like my third article or something like that I started doing a series on um, places where the NASL which at the time was the sole second division should look to expand I was interested in the NASL because I'm a fan of the New York cosmos right Mm. Uh, and if you if you go back and you look through that article the different markets I picked out right like USL like went to them and like like in a bunch of cases, they went with the investors I called out as who would be good investors for the market. So <laughs> I don't know if like that's a coincidence or if they were like, "Hey, this is actually a good idea." I'm sure it's a total coincidence, but I don't know. Want <laughs> to give kudos to USL on, and you don't catch me giving kudos to USL a whole lot, but uh, is that you know very aggressive expansion program? You know, very I think they've done a great job with that and you know I tip my hat to them on it because you know I put a lot of thought into that stuff and like you know those mm. guys they were thinking about similar stuff and 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 they executed so good for them
0: yeah that's interesting I, I do think it's funny though because the more you get into and I have, I've only dipped my toe this is something you're well versed in um, but once you kind of delve into the the underworld of lower league soccer, the the less romantic it is in some ways and the less things, you know, things look like they're being run well and they're not always being run well. Um, and so in that yeah. regard, I wouldn't be surprised if someone heard you say some of those things, whether it was on the mic or not and and took it further, perhaps. I don't know. It's possible is all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, I've seen how the sausage is made and I'll tell you what, man, you know. <laughs> it's it's be, everybody who's listening it's better to not yeah know, just enjoy <laughs> your favorite team you know once you learn like too much about like the the politics of everything that goes on mm-hmm. it, it actually does take a little bit of the fun out of it and you know so i just i i think most people are probably better off just like if you have a favorite you know club whether they play in usl you you know nisa founders cup mpsl upsl what have you you know, in the lower leagues, just enjoy it. Have mm-hmm. fun with it. You know, your local team is, is is what matters. The leagues are, you know, weird structures that we have in this country that probably shouldn't exist mm-hmm. the system, but that's on the Fed. So
0: well let's but, yeah. put a pin in that because I, I'd kinda like to finish our conversation with exactly that thought and and uh maybe so let's let's talk about specifics and then work our way back to that if we have time. Um Chris sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna want to go long on this so I'm gonna try to push us along for every once in a while. But let's dig sure. right into the main reason we brought you in. Um you are focusing on Nisa. I think you mentioned that a second ago um, and they just had a bit of an announcement, and um, I think there's more to come. Uh, can you get us started with, man, let's just go all the way back to the beginning and quickly give us a history and then maybe the new news after that.
1: Sure. So, um, you know, I first got an inkling of of what would become uh, NISA when in, in February, I want to say of 2017. Um, I met up with uh, with Peter Wilt um, in uh, in Southern California. He was out there helping uh, the team that would become California United um, as a consultant. And, uh, you know, I I had communicated with Peter before and, and, you know, he was gracious enough to meet up with me. Um, We talked a little while there. there There's some interviews on the site from back then. And, you know, I got an inkling that he was he was working on something. Um, at that time, you know, and he had been for a little while by that point. Um, and, uh, that was, that would become NISA. It was, the idea was a, a third division league that would link, you know, the NASL as the second division, um, with, with, you know, the NPSL, for example, below it. Right. And give kind of like a middle tier that would allow eventual promotion and relegation. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was the initial sort of what NISA was meant to be. And then, you know, later in the year, uh, after it was officially announced, you know, it, uh you know, the NASL becoming unsanctioned, like just blew everything up, right? Like just everything went in a weird direction after that happened. Yeah. So, you know, those, those two, you know, groups kind of, you know, went their separate ways.
0: Yeah, they did. Uh, a lot of rumors around that as well, but I think people are already starting to forget that the plan originally was for there to be NISA and NASL at the same time and, and um that got interrupted very badly. Um what do you think what do you think that would have looked like if if those two things had figured it out and, and gotten started? Do you do you dream about that sometimes?
1: Uh, you know no. I I, I kinda try not to dwell too much on 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 that type of thing i think the vision that peter had um was that you know they would have that link up and then i, I don't think that ever was really agreed on formally mm. by anybody. i think it was an idea that some people liked you know um but uh, but it never really came together right um and it's hard in lower division soccer you know for people to um agree on things right uh yeah. you know and uh, you know a lot of people kind of have have their visions, and you know I think that's one of the areas where where USL has has done well is that they have a very clear hierarchy, right? With USL the independent owner group, right, mm-hmm. of the league, so it's easier for them to like make decisions that are you know um, you know clearly in one direction. Whereas when you structure the leagues with the the club owners owning the league, right? Which is, which is, you know, in some ways like a better purer model. um, But you get a lot of, you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right?
0: Yeah. And that seems obvious talking to you now, but I mean, I guess that is something about the USL that I do want to hit on a lot of these things later, but I guess it is a lot less free in a way, if you want to put it in a negative connotation about the USL that it is it's less free but i guess it's easier to get things and ideas worked out and put together but yeah not as pure in that way either it's interesting
1: yeah it's just you know that's the those are the two sides of that coin right
0: yeah for sure um well uh, where's nisa now the nasl is gone nisa's gonna try to put something together here even as soon as what this fall um bring us up to speed on that if you can
1: Yeah, so NISA um, is uh, intending to play its first games on September 7th of of this year. They've got somewhere between they've got 10 members, um, but it's not clear that all 10 of them will be ready to play for the fall. The fall is going to be a short season. There's going to be eight games, uh, so each each club will have four home games. Um, So it'll be similar in length actually to the Founders Cup. Um, which, you know, I'm not mm. sure exactly, you know, what that's, what that's going to look like at the moment. There've been some changes on that end as well. Um, but, uh, but so they're going to be about similarly sized tournaments, you know, happening or leagues happening at the same time. Um, you know, from sometime likely in September, certainly in Nisa's case, uh, through, you know, the following weeks, I would, I would guess that would take them into November. And then for NISA, there will be a winter break and there will be a spring season and there will be new teams that will be admitted for the spring season. So NISA is uh, still accepting applications for the spring. Um, I think in the last article uh, I did, um, John prouch said it would be through uh, mid July. They would be taking applications because they have to get everybody certified by us soccer. So there's like a, period of time in which you know they need to look over it and then send it to u.s soccer and every every club has to be approved by u.s soccer
0: Mm -hmm. and i think that's just
1: a i think that's probably true of usl as well it's just how that process works
0: yeah so if i remember correctly they got sanctioned as well is that is that true nisa did oh yeah nisa
1: is sanctioned as a a division three league so they have the same level of sanctioning as usl league one
0: great Okay, so it's official. That is some uh, concrete yeah. building there, and and a little mm-hmm. bit of concrete news about dates and and who's starting and when. I guess the who isn't exactly all revealed. Um, there are some a couple announced, but only what two or three or four.
1: They've announced the markets. Um, so they're going to have a, a team in Providence. They're going to have a team in um, Connecticut. Slash, I think new england's what's on the website i'm hearing that it might be more connecticut branding now um i guess tbd on that we'll find out Mm. within the next couple weeks because they're going to be doing the official announcements there's going to be a team in philadelphia i'm just working my way down the coast here there's going to be a team in charlotte there's going to be a team in atlanta um miami fc has joined uh, but it's not clear that Miami FC will play in uh, in the fall. They're scheduled to participate in the Founders' Cup, and I understand they will be participating in the Founders' Cup. Um, it's possible they could participate in both, given that huh. they're a professional organization, and both seasons are going to be somewhere around eight games. I mean, they could play 16 games, right? Easy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, so uh, I don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, and then there will be um, – There's no longer going to be a team in central Florida. At least that group has decided to move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's not, I don't know if they're going to start in the fall. They might be another one who who waits till the spring. Um, Not, not clear. Um, Then there are three teams in Southern California. There's uh, Los Angeles, which I understand is FC Golden State. uh, Who, you know, they have teams in both NPSL and, uh, and, and the former pdl i have i struggle to call it usl league Two because I do it's a too. short season league and <laughs> yeah. there's no way that would ever participate in, in the, its current form and promotion and relegation so i just call it pdl because <laughs> that's, sort of, that's a little fanciful to me
0: i don't i don't um, think that's too uh too much of a stretch there i feel you <laughs> yeah yeah so,
1: so there's los angeles there's california united who who uh I'm told, you know, in the recent interview that we'll play in Orange County. And then there's San Diego 1904, the former NASL expansion team.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, some cool teams in there for sure. Some teams that I would be excited to see play for sure. And um, it's always nice to get new markets out there. I always think that's really good. I thought the Baton Rouge one was a surprise, but there's really not much soccer. There's well, there's no pro soccer in Louisiana. So that would be a good start.
1: Yeah, there's Baton Rouge. There's some rumors about New Orleans, you mm-hmm. know, for uh, for 2020, um, you know, so that would be certainly a nice little, uh, you know, rivalry uh, within the state of Louisiana if that occurs. Um, so. So, yeah, we'll see.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's talk about the leadership, because obviously you mentioned Peter Wilt earlier, USL show folks are going to know who he is. Um everyone in, in US soccer, if they're nerdy enough, they should know who he is. Um, highly respected. It could be, you know, a bit of a genius. He's doing good work in Madison in League One right now. Um, but he's not a part of NISA anymore. Um, can you tell us who is a part of Nisa? Because we were talking about that off off mic and and um they've been around for the duration basically.
1: Yeah, so um so NISA was founded by Peter Wilt and Jack Cummins. Um, and they, they ran the league, uh, through, um, kind of early 2018, right. Mm. Unfortunately Jack passed away. Um, and then Peter uh, had the opportunity to do what he does so well and launch uh, a club, uh, you know, and this time in his home state of, of Wisconsin. Uh, and, you know, we've seen forward Madison and, you know, it's another, you know, wonderful job that he's done. Right. I don't think <laughs> anybody does that better and certainly no one does it better in the Midwestern United States than him. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that, that's going great, but you know, there was a bit of a hole that happened when Peter, when Peter left and Um, so that was filled, um, by, you know, a couple of the owners stepped up, uh, Bob Watkins became the, the, the leader of the league and that group kind of shepherded, nisa through sanctioning and in february they got sanctioned but then there was this kind of weird period from like the sanctioning announcement up until a couple weeks ago where like Mm. you know they got sanctioned which was a huge victory but then they were like really quiet which being quiet during sanctioning made sense because like hey that's a really difficult process um thousands and thousands of pages you know submitted to u.s soccer right I mean, it sounds like way harder than it should be. It sounds like the sanctioning process for like a, yeah. like a beach ship. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Um, and, um, you know, so, so, so then the ownership uh, in groups in NISA decided to make a change. John Pruch um, of Club Nine Sports has been involved since the very beginning. Um, with Nisa and you know he's got a team of people that he's working with many of whom have been involved for a very long time so Mm -hmm. there's definitely continuity there since the early days with Peter and Jack.
0: Yeah good Um, which I didn't realize that and so I think that should be a positive for sure. Um, Some negatives though you mentioned being quiet I think people have criticized how quiet the PR has been how perhaps ineffective it's been the little that they've done um, you know, there was a changing of the head guy, right? Recently. Uh, we should ask you about that, but, um, go actually. Yeah. So tell us about that as well. Cause that just happened.
1: Yeah. So that, that's, that's where Bob Watkins, uh, left. Um, and then John Pruch took over. So I did oh, two interviews with John recently that kind of like, you know, sh- shed, shed some light on, on, you know, what the changes have been. And, um, I think the, the main difference from a fan perspective um, is John seems really focused on getting all of the announcements going. They've been working hard um, to to do that. That should be coming very shortly. He's you know shared a lot of interesting information in the interviews that I did with them. Um, so they've they've been making efforts to kind of make up for lost time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I think. Uh, you know, the, the key thing that, that Watkins accomplished was, you know, and the folks on his team who were working with him, of course, uh, cause he certainly didn't accomplish it by himself was shepherding Nisa through the sanctioning process. But, you know, now the new team is really focused on getting the
0: launch out. So, yeah. And, and there has been more communication that interview or the two interviews you did. I think I only read one. I'm sorry, but, um, okay. the, um, yeah, things are stepping up there in that way. Um, Do you think I would say the other main negative has been, you know, it just has never fully gotten up on its feet and running. Um, And now this almost seems like a stutter stop start um, with with only having a few teams. Do you think once they get going, then they'll be able to keep it going and, and get it started, you know, when they start back up after the winter break?
1: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, and I think the fates of Nisa and the Founders Cup are very kind of tied together. Mm. Um, you know, so the first thing about Nisa is I think relative to the Founders Cup, Nisa has not received the same sort of warm reception, um, and that's that's down to a very simple fact, which is people are excited about clubs, they're not excited about leagues, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and the Founders Cup has some really Outstanding clubs. They've got, you know, um, Detroit City. They've got Chattanooga FC. They've got the New York Cosmos, and they've got kind of the hottest, you know, new club in my opinion this year. Though I would say that, you know, Forward Madison certainly is a challenger for that, um, which is the Oakland Roots, who have done an incredible job, you know, with branding and, and like really, really cool, you know, everything that they've done so far. You know so and then you've got some really you know nice npsl teams that are looking to make a step up so there's you know these are these known entities in the founders cup and then with with uh with nisa you know not so much right so there's not like an installed fan base to like rally the flag of nisa right yeah. and i think that's what we've seen so far in terms of the level of excitement around those two things it just it actually makes perfect sense when you break it down like
0: that Mm-hmm. But we found, I would say even in in USL League One, some of those clubs were not highly touted until they started. And now we're seeing all these podcasts pop up and some grassroots support. Um, So yeah, I I guess what I'm getting at is we'll see. This is what you said. We'll see. But if they get up and running, I feel like they might be able to get some motivation, some momentum rather to to keep it going and grow. So um, maybe that's what we're rooting for to get Nisa going. Um, Any other thoughts on NISA before we kind of move on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, NISA provides something that I think is important um, to the U.S. soccer landscape, which is they provide a place for investors who want to put a team in in any market they want to put a team in Hmm. uh, across the country um, to be able to do that. Right. There are no territory rights. Right. There are no expansion fees. I think those two things are huge issues, um, because they ultimately block building a real kind of pyramid model, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if you, you know, the challenge USL is going to have, if they ever introduce promotion and relegation is that, you know, somebody paid a certain amount of money to be at a certain tier.
0: Yeah.
1: And now you're going to send them down and they're going to be at a lower tier. And there are ways you could handle that but it's awkward it's just straight up awkward right um so nice is not introducing that problem from the beginning that that was a problem in the nasl that's a problem in pretty much everything Hmm. i mean npsl has franchise fees they're super low so it's not a big deal but you know they're taking a different approach which i think is really interesting and you know if if you you know they're gonna have a, a second team in charlotte you know um, they're going to have a second team in Atlanta. It'll be interesting to see how those markets react to another team. Atlanta United is clearly, you know, hugely successful. Um, so those are two, I think polar opposite cases. Cause I don't really think you could say the same about Charlotte independence to be mm-hmm. fair. Right. Um, so it will be interesting. I think it, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I think it's good for American soccer for Nisa to be successful. Um, you know, so I think that, I think everybody should root for a positive outcome. And I think the shame is when clubs fold, right? Yeah. Because somebody's there, there's, there are little kids who are a fan of that club. So look, you know, I'm a Cosmos fan, you know, the team that I dislike the most in American soccer is New York City FC, um, for all the reasons around, you know, the co-opting of the Cosmos legacy that they attempted to do when they were launching, um, you know, and and you know, it's also just fun to have somebody dislike, right? <laughs> um, you know, I I actually don't want to see that team collapse, right? I would not want to see the owners of Manchester United decide that they were going to pull their investment and not want to do that anymore, because there 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 are people who are genuinely fans of that club. I would rather, you know, have a system of promotion relegation where we could go and we could beat them, right, mm-hmm. and and have a rivalry right? You know, I think it's a shame when when the clubs go away. So hopefully these guys can do a great job, launch clubs, give a platform for investors who might be locked out of the USL model to be able to come in and try to do something interesting. And I think that would be all for the better for US soccer.
0: Yeah, love that. Love that. And again, I, I put a couple notes down. We're going to stick a pin in a couple of those ideas and bring them back. But uh, before we do that, let's get a little bit of information on the Founders Cup and NPSL. You touched on a little bit of that, obviously, an awesome lineup of teams, historic teams uh, that will be fun to watch. Some teams with a lot of uh, strong, uh, passionate followings. Um, yeah, give us a little information about the Founders Cup.
1: Sure. So the Founders Cup is scheduled to play in the fall. Um, it features, you know, some some like we've talked about some really uh, interesting clubs. You know, right now they are not sanctioned um you know unless that's happened in the last like week or something and i'm not aware of it hmm. uh they're, they're certainly you know uh trying to get sanctioning um uh, but um you know there it's kind of a rogue you know model one way or another so there's there's a fun kind of pirate element about what's going on there <laughs> uh, and you know that sort of suits uh you know detroit city certainly yeah. <laughs> um you know, it suits, uh, it suits what the Cosmos have become, right? So the Cosmos, is, I think, is interesting. You know, if you look back, like the Cosmos were the status quo mm-hmm. in like the late '70s, early '80s, right, of American soccer, and now the Cosmos are like, you know, one of the, if not the, flagship, like, you know, anti-status quo. So you know, crazy American soccer, right? um so you know it's interesting right but that's kind of what the founders cup is right it's yeah. sort of this culture culture you know to american soccer league so that makes it exciting and you know i mean i, I think there's going to be there's it's going to be a lot of fun but i'm not sure where it goes after the founders cup i'm not sure what the future is right now you know mm-hmm. for clubs that are in that if there's going to be a league beyond that that was the plan but it's not clear to me what what comes next, right? So hopefully they've got a plan and they'll they'll reveal that, um, and then everything will come together. But um, you know, I think uh, I think it's not 100% clear right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm springing this on you, and I'm not as up on my research as I usually am, so I apologize. You can probably already tell that and um, how it's gone so far. But um, someone did. I don't want to say report someone threw it up on twitter that a lot of founders cup or npsl teams are considering moving to usl league one in 2020 is that anything you've heard about i don't okay. i don't think that makes sense for
1: the founders cup i think maybe you know i think i know what you're talking about i think that person was talking more about and i think that's john from sock takes um if, oh. if if you're referencing the right the if if you're referencing what i think you're referencing Mm. from sock takes and i think he was talking more about like npsl teams that aren't in the founders cup but i could be misremembering that would make more sense to me than the teams in the founders cup um i don't think the fans of detroit city would would tolerate being in usl yeah because i mean cosmos fans would be up in arms you would much more easily sell cosmos fans the championship if especially <laughs> if you got rid of the the mls2 teams right um i think you could make that pitch i think it would not go down 100 percent smooth but i think like you could make it right um hmm. you know and then you know obviously chattanooga fc you know is clearly not going to be able to do that because of territory rights um so you know maybe the oakland roots could do it because they meet the pro league standards um, so it's not like impossible, but it would make more sense that maybe some of the other teams that are waiting and seeing, you know, to see how this all shakes out, who might have an owner who can meet standards or who might want to do what Lansing United did and bring somebody in. And it kind of, with if you look at Lansing you look at Birmingham, I mean, sure. There's a link to the clubs that were there before, but it's a, it's a new brand, you know, mm-hmm. it just is replacing what was there, you know? So, you know it's uh yeah that that could happen but i think it would be teams that are in the founders cup more than once
0: yeah um shoot i just went out of it and that is a huge help and everything i'm uh going back and looking at right now is backing up what you said um it was john leonard from uh sock takes did say that which i didn't catch on that that was him um but yeah, it just says several teams in MPSL are thinking about moving over to uh, League League One in, here we go, for 2020.
1: Yeah, I think what you have is you have a bunch of groups who are kind of sitting on the sidelines right now, trying to understand where things are going to be. Mm-hmm. I think that what USL brings to the table, whether... And, The championship is clearly a much more exciting concept given the team the clubs that are in again it's the clubs that are exciting right right so you look at the clubs that are in the championship and there are a lot of really quality interesting clubs you look at league one and that's not really the case and the idea that more mls2 teams are going to move down to usl league one Mm -hmm. when i look at the when i look at the lineup like to me like usl league one is like the least sexy option anybody could take for sure But, you know, it's also low cost, you know, if you just want to have a team and you don't really care who you're playing, like, that's cool. It's got forward Madison who are, who are cool. It's got the Mm. Red Wolves who are not cool. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's got a bunch of, and and probably an increasing number of of two teams, right? So, you know, it's, it's an option. I would guess that there are probably a bunch of those folks who would rather there be another option, but, you know, unless Nisa comes together in an interesting way, Mm. or unless cup is able to translate that into a compelling league after the founders cup that they can sell these people on you know they might just look the safe play is to go to usl league one Mm -hmm. that's how usl league one would get those teams
0: yeah um couldn't agree more with exactly everything you said and I, i got that wrong he was saying that they would go to league two in 2020 with specific plans to go to league one in 2021. So we're seeing a step system there. I think the only thing that might appeal to those teams that you didn't mention that might go against what you said in a, in a certain way is if promotion and relegation actually happened between League One and Championship. If that happened, or even if these teams that we just talked about are counting on that happening perhaps someday... Um, do you think some of these teams that have been looking at NISA and and uh, Founders Cup or whatever comes after Founders Cup, do you think that would be something a little bit more attractive, especially if two teams drop down to League One like you were talking about as well?
1: I mean, yeah, possibly, right? Um, I think if I were selling USL franchises, that's probably the angle I would take. Yeah,
0: right. Well said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Uh, so, and they probably are. Cause as I, I mentioned at the beginning, they're, they're pretty good at doing that. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that would probably be the pitch. Um, so it's just, a, it, I think it comes down to whether or not you think that's really going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and it's one, it's a time thing. It's a time thing because you know, everyone's recruiting everyone now and they're all talking a big game, but no one has seen you know, the full potential of what everyone's talking about. And so everyone's kind of competing and, and, I don't know, positioning themselves to try to win over as many teams as possible to win this battle. Um, I kind of want to move into that. I mean, if this was a, a three-way fight, it could be even a four-way fight with MPSL, uh, NPSL NISA USL and uh UPSL who's now getting sued by USL. Um, there's a lot of teams looking for at least third-tier pro soccer in the United States. Uh, a lot of them talking about the same kind of stuff. They all offer different potential things. Um, I don't know. Where do, how does this how does this uh, end up working out?
1: So I, I think the, the most compelling thing that NISA, the NPSL, and the UPSL could do, um, and you could include other regional leagues around, uh, that are independent leagues, you know, around the country, like every major mm-hmm. city pretty much has an interesting regional league, like the Cosmo league in, in New York or the San Francisco, you know, soccer football league in San Francisco. There's, there's a bunch of them, right. They need to work together, yeah. right. Cause they're getting, um, you know, torn apart, you know, by the partnership of MLS and USL they need to unite they need to come together right like it's it's um you know i i the person who i quote it was not really a person he's a fictional character <laughs> who i quote on this uh, is robert baratheon in the first season you
0: of game you are of making my day right now
1: so robert baratheon goes he asks somebody he says what's what's stronger five armies or one right <laughs> And the, and I think the person's reaction was, was like five armies. I forget who it was he was talking to. And then he just holds his hand up and he shows five fingers and then he holds up one fist.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> and, and I think that's what we're looking at here. Right. Okay. You have, you have the separation, these guys pulling in, in different directions and, you know, what we, what, what they really need to do is they need to become one fist. Right. Yeah. And. They got to they got to put aside some of their own self interest. They got to compromise some of their visions, um, and they need a leader to bring them together. And that could be Miami FC. Uh, Miami FC has now, you know, I think uh, entered. You know, by entering NISA, by keeping the link to the Founders Cup, Miami FC has become the club who could set the example going forward of building the the, the next you know level system. And of course, they're involved in the casts. Uh, case as well, the Court for Arbitration uh, for Sport case, um, you know, to bring promotion and relegation to to uh, to U.S. soccer. So, to me, Miami FC has the potential to be the leader uh, of of these groups and you and kind of unite unite this. But we'll see, you know.
0: Yeah, we we kind of touched on maybe the the difficult part of that earlier, in that if everyone has a voice and it's all free, and the owners are the members of the league. Without an overarching, you know, king or whatever, making the rules, president, uh, CEO, um, is that too hard to do? If you had too many members, where you can't get one idea pushing forward, do you think Miami could do that? And and to be honest, I think we've heard rumors that maybe that was the problem originally. Um, do you think they c- could pull it together? I guess that's the hard part.
1: I think if any group can pull it together, it's going to be Miami FC. Got it. the credibility they have money you know um and they've demonstrated a willingness to work across the different lines right um so i think for me miami fc is the organization that would be the leader of a unification the question is do you know do different groups want to work together you know do they really want to put that aside and i think there are a lot of the clubs do so you know it's gotta, people gotta put egos aside in order to create something bigger than themselves, right? You gotta, you gotta put aside your own self-interest to a certain, uh, extent, or at least trust an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality that if I build something, if I help build something bigger, I'm going to increase the size of the pie, Hmm. not just worry about increasing my share of the current pie. Right. And that's the type of mentality that the clubs need to take. And I I think Miami FC is probably the group that that can do the most credible job trying to make that happen.
0: Yeah. Just kind of spitballing here. I'm just thinking about all these separate groups and how the three of them obviously could team up against the USL. And even if they get started separately, there's nothing keeping them from joining at some point and merging if they especially get backed into, you know, a corner and they have no other option to survive, but to combine, I could see it almost like being forced on them and them giving it a shot at some point.
1: Yeah. And I don't think you necessarily have to think of it as against the USL.
0: Uh, It's hard not to though. Right. And and I shouldn't push that narrative. I think that's a really good point, but man, it's hard not to think of it that way.
1: Yeah. So I would, I would, I would say that to create a system that is more inclusive, right. To give opportunities for, you know, people to start at the bottom and work their way up, uh, which you can do through buying your way up right now. And to a certain extent, right. Yeah, totally. And USL is certainly by having more franchises to sell and more territories to sell, they certainly are more open than MLS is. Um, but um, you know, it can just be something different, right. It can just be, 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 you know, I don't know a whole lot about rugby, but like, there's like two different, like, like styles of rugby, mm-hmm. right? Like in, I think in the UK, right? So maybe it ends up being something like that. Right. Um, two different sets of rules or codes. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know the terminology I should stop, but, um, <laughs> the idea, you don't understand what I'm saying. is so, yeah. like, it, I don't think it really has to be, you know, us versus them. I think it can be, you know, you guys do your thing. We're going to do this over here. Um, You know, and maybe there's a way to come bring that together someday. Right. I don't know, but that is well beyond, you know, any type of scope to think about right now. Uh,
0: You know, Chris, I think that's my favorite point of the night actually. And I hope if people have listened to this, that they take that away, that I think that's a really good point. I think people need to stop pushing the, this person versus that person, because, Granted, it is a capitalistic idea that seems to be the way the battlegrounds are going down, but it doesn't have to be that way. There's enough soccer fans out there for there to be two Charlottes and two Chattanoogas. I think. I mean, well, maybe absolutely. not. Absolutely.
1: But and I think what you have is like what you've seen. Like one of the cool things that I think in particular the NPSL has done, um, because the NPSL I think lends itself to more like more of a fan base, right? Than maybe like the PDL tends to in most cases, right? Mm -hmm. But you look at like, how many Detroit City fans were just like not even soccer fans before Detroit City or Chattanooga fans, right? It's really about building something in those communities, right? So the more opportunities there are to do that, and the more opportunities there are for, you know, somebody who's gonna execute well to succeed within that market, regardless of who they paid for a franchise fee or didn't, right, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's better for, for US soccer. I think that, that, that adds more value for us soccer. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but, but I think that's, you know, that's sort of like the abundance type of mentality, which is like, Hey, you can actually grow the share here. You don't have to like think of it as like, there's this little, there's this fixed piece that we're all fighting over. It's like, no, you can actually make it bigger.
0: Right. And yes. Oh, I think that's so good. Yeah. So almost as putting Two separate things together almost makes the whole better and bigger. Um, and I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I was about to kind of try to see if, you know, if we were to pitch different leagues, um, how it would go. But I don't even want to do that because that pits everyone against each other. What I do want to say though is that I think in a lot of ways, you know, I'm in a city in St. Louis that I love USL. I love how much more pure it is than MLS. I'll make that argument any day of the week. Um, but MLS is kind of going a little bit down to the mean, a little tiny bit every year or every other year um, as far as league purity in, in soccer. And, um, you know, you're pointing out a lot of things that are a little more restrictive about even USL compared to the other the other leagues we're mentioning here. Um but I could see some of those things backing off. You know, I think the biggest example that perhaps is a negative about the USL is is those those rights to a state. You know, certain clubs may have deserved a certain promotion, but now they're not allowed to because the USL accepted someone else in that area or something like that. That's pretty difficult. That's hard to say. We can't have two Charlottes because of rules, um, not because we can't handle it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I could see, this is one of the things you said, MLS coming down to be a little more pure. And I could even see by the end of this in 10, 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, that the USL could come down and and they won't look that much different than NPSL or NISA or whatever the hell we have in, in that amount of time. And they may at some point decide, listen, we're all here doing the same thing. Let's just put all of this together, even if it's just one tournament, you know, that isn't the Open Cup um i could see that sort of thing happening for sure based on what you're saying
1: yeah you know the thing that's funny that you bring up the the time frames right like people talk about these really long time frames in which things need to happen and <laughs> and you know i i do believe like like kyle martino um had his like very long range plan right and <laughs> i think kyle martino is a nice guy who who i think has really good intentions and i think he wants things but it's like guys it doesn't need to take this long right it doesn't need There are people who will invest the money. You know, Rocco just spent, what, like 200 million bucks or something buying a club (laughs) in Italy, right? There are are American investors buying clubs all over the place. This doesn't need to take this. You don't have to be dead by the time this happens. You really don't. You just, you know, we just, people just need to work together um, and think about how do we make the sport in this country a much bigger thing? Right, mm. That everyone will benefit from, not worry about whether Bob craft's going to get a good return on investment for something he, you know, he's invested in over mm. a period. Of time. He'll be okay. Someone will pay. If he doesn't want to participate, someone's going to buy that, that team from him and he'll make a nice return on investment and, and he'll be fine. Right. It's, it's, it's that, how do we grow it versus like, how do I protect my, my little piece of this fixed pie? That's, you know, never going to grow.
0: Hmm. I'm with you there. And I I like that you brought up Kraft because in, in some ways I'm always someone that likes to be realistic. I like to get these dreamy ideas out there, but then I do like to be brought down back down to earth. And I find that to be perhaps restrictive is someone like Kraft, Yeah. He would make a return on his investment, but in the back of his mind, he's probably thinking how much more of a return could I get if I don't let this happen or if I don't change the way I do things, you know, I feel like that could be a thing.
1: It It's it's clearly seems to be the way that, you know, I don't know individual owners, but it it seems to be the way that MLS processes it. Right. Is that they they want to control the top tier and sort of funnel all the money in you know, as much money as possible into into MLS um, through Soccer United Marketing you know but but i think there's the argue, the counter argument that like they are limit they are actually limiting the growth by doing
0: that mhm yeah and we are getting in a, it seems like there's a slight split in mls even between i think we've even heard certain people say higher up people say that the right owners in mls and the wrong owners in mls and so mm-hmm. um that's an interesting thing too so where maybe this Narrative, the, not this narrative. Maybe this belief, this thought process, is kind of breaking through the dirty stuff, and and maybe yeah. you and I together can try to help spread the right the right message in, in our opinions, at least, right?
1: What I mean, think about without all the crazy, you know, acronym rules and salary rules, you know, what could Arthur Blank make Atlanta United into? <laughs> yeah. It could probably be a world class, you know, club if it were you know, if it were kind of in, in the more traditional model, because you have, they're generating a lot of revenue standing on their own. You know, you have an owner who's into it, who's, who's very rich, who's willing to spend the money. I mean, Mm -hmm. that profile around the world looks like a super club, right? But it's kind of constrained within, within the current structure.
0: Yeah. I mean, my favorite, my favorite new debate uh, from last week was, uh, who should Miami, the new Miami club, uh, bring it in, James or Suarez? And take the reins off and get them both. <laughs> Screw it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, and that's, I mean, that's,
1: that would, that would, you know, probably be a, a good thing, right? But, <laughs> you know, we'll see. I mean, I think one thing, if you talk about things that could have gone differently, I really wonder what, what would have looked like if we didn't win the 2026 world cup bid what would have happened because what would that have meant financially for mls right and kind of like how they keep accepting expansion teams and that kind of helps with the losses right um there's this big windfall of money coming for soccer united marketing most likely in 2026 now what if that didn't come what if morocco won what could would usl have been in a position to sort of replace an MLS who started to get owners of tired of losing money. Right. That's kind of like an else world that I think is actually really interesting because clearly USL is the best position
0: to do that right now. Um, no, can so, you go more into that? Because I think I'm tracking you, but I want more details and how your brain is processing that. Exactly.
1: So, so, you know, MLS, you know, is, is regularly expanding and, I think the the you know the idea there is that it, MLS is not making money in and of itself for most organizations, right? Some of the owners sometimes, like Saputo and in Montreal, will kind of break rank and complain about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the expansion fees are helping subsidize this, right? Um, but there's that can only go on for so long, right? And now you know Soccer United Marketing is clearly going to benefit from the World Cup being here, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big windfall. How much does that happening really help keep the wind in the sales of MLS? Conversely, if that didn't happen, if it went to Morocco, mm-hmm. what would how much wind would that have taken out of the sales of MLS? I just think it's an interesting kind of like thing to think about is that yeah. how pivotal that probably was for major league soccer.
0: Yeah. And soccer United Marketing. Mm-hmm. And and it all feels like um, a bridge to hopefully TV media rights actually getting money into that system to replace the expansion fees. I assume, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that would be eventually that's going to need to happen, right? Yeah. Eventually it's going to need to organically kind of generate revenue without... Expanding, you know, sort of forever. But
0: but if that stacked mm-hmm. deck that MLS has right now, it's a little bit stacked. Um, right. If that stacked. hadn't worked out, then perhaps money you know making that bridge isn't the answer and then these interesting pure soccer ideas maybe take over and it looks different is is that kind of what you're getting at cuz that's sounding really nice right now <laughs> well well what, what
1: what yeah i mean look there's the usl championship and like there's this blank space above it yeah. that could be like usl premier right mm-hmm. and you know maybe then i mean i kind of think usl or run organization than mls i mean maybe that's the lower league soccer bias mm-hmm. right because like, like i'd take usl any day over mls right yeah um when, when you know like just in terms of like enjoying watching the matches right yeah. um so you know would that have been a possible outcome right huh. um because given what they're working with you know and not having as much federation support even though they have quite a bit relative to the other players could usl have kind of filled that gap right yeah. if, uh, if if uh, in a fair fight with MLS you know is Jake Edwards doing a better job than Don Garber I think there's probably a case that Jake Edwards is doing a better job than Don
0: Garber mm-hmm. yeah I mean to be fair they do have different business models that probably both revolve around getting money a certain way um, but I do think in St. Louis honestly when we lost another expansion bid and it just started feeling more and more rigged and not that it's not just as rigged now considering all the you know if St. Louis gets in then we're getting up to what 36 or something they're just they're making it up as they go for all, a lot of the reasons we were just talking about so all my my point is not to go off on MLS more the my point is after the last loss of the expansion bid i was feeling very disenfranchised and i started looking around at all the other teams that might be feeling disenfranchised and there's some really good cities that might be uh, there for the plucking, if MLS was to stop expanding, that deserve a tier one team that would be willing to spend the money for a tier one team. And so, yeah, my immediate thoughts I've said this publicly multiple times was, man, give me a St. Louis, a Phoenix, an Indy, um, a Tampa Bay. Give me a USL Premier with those teams that are willing to spend a little less in MLS, but it's still better than USL in tier two, you know? And, have them build stadiums that are 10 to 12,000 and just see what happens. And if MLS was to do that, that fake thing that possibly could have happened if we weren't to get the world cup, that would have looked pretty damn good. Right.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, and, and don't invite the MLS two teams into the US. Premier League, <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and you immediately have a really interesting product, right? If you mm-hmm. take the Las Vegas and like, you know, you know, the top, the top tier, USL, you know, uh, clubs, no MLS two, uh, invited to this to this particular party, and then you know you you have a lot of interesting markets, big markets. So there was the whole David Villa, you know, idea. You know, in, in Queens, I don't I don't honestly don't know where that's at right now. <laughs> uh, but, um, but you know, you you have you have the opportunity. There was the Chicago effort, right? That that seems like it's kind of fizzled out, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. But if it, those types of things could be pulled off you know, all of a sudden it doesn't take too long for a USL premiere to become a uh, kind of a really compelling alternative.
0: Yeah. There was a very short period of time where that idea in the back of my mind was still alive and Chicago was an option. What is the San Diego? Or there's some other big one that was supposed to happen in, on the West Coast as well. Uh, Queensboro had maybe just been announced and I just started letting loose with my daydreams <laughs> usl premier league it sounded so good you know
1: yeah yeah you're starting to sound like an nasl fan man
0: right i'm joining the piracy <laughs> of nasl <laughs> right. that's, oh. the, that's the funny part is like you go
1: on like the usl reddit like as a as a nasl guy and i know there's a bunch of the guys there mm-hmm. who, yeah, nasl guys with some of the teams that moved over but you'll see this topic like people get going on this topic and get excited about it it's like you guys are right now you're just you're just being nasl fans right <laughs> like they're all making fun of us but you're doing the same thing right now right because everybody gets excited about that alternative because i think that you know the the what we have now isn't super inspiring you know at the top
0: mm-hmm yep yeah, but like I said, it is it is getting better. I think we should hand it to them that they are starting to move in the right direction finally, even if it's incredibly slowly and at a crawling pace. But, you know, maybe maybe all of American soccer is kind of moving toward the mean. And then, you know, perhaps, you know, this wouldn't even be a bad thing. Perhaps MPSL Founders Cup, NISA, maybe they're going to get some better business smarts and they're going to start figuring out how financially to keep a club, a club afloat. With smart decisions, but still have that pure soccer. And they're gonna be able to make the right decisions, even though there's a million of them in a group. And perhaps MLS is gonna start moving toward more pure soccer, not limiting salaries, not limiting how many of whatever, all the rules that we all like to make fun of constantly. Maybe eventually they'll get rid of those things. This is, you know, we've kind of covered this, but it is sort of moving that way, isn't it?
1: Well, it would certainly be nice um, if everybody came together. And, you know, I think the, the, if I were sitting in the shoes of the, of the folks, you know, in the Founders' Cup and in NISA, you know, and NPSL and UPSL, I would be focusing on controlling what I can control, you know, try to, try to, try to uh, find a way to work together Mm -hmm. and then build something um, that is, uh, is compelling. And then maybe that'll inspire, you know, further steps from, from others.
0: Well, Chris, I'm doing that thing where I get excited about something and I start talking in circles. So I think this is probably a good place to cut it off with that final message of, you know, let's let's work together as a country for the better of soccer. I really like that idea. I encourage this is the USL show and we're talking to Chris Kivlan about NISA and MPSL. This is the kind of stuff that needs to happen more often, to be honest with you. You know, we need to have more cooperation we don't need to be enemies. We can talk. We can work out ideas. We can cooperate. This is the kind of thing that needs to happen more often. You heard it here, maybe first, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Let's take the most like. Let's take the most like example that divides people the most, right? From this whole world, right? The Chattanooga Red Wolves versus mm. Chattanooga, right? You know, here, here's the thing. I, I tell people about that. Is like, you know, if if the guys who were in Chattanooga who wanted to break off, wanted to break off and form their own club. They should totally be able to do that. The problem is the way that the federation, you know, I lay it at the federation, has the system set up is that they can leapfrog the established club just by, you know, bringing in an outside investor with a lot of money. If the system was structured in a way where they had to start at whatever the bottom tier was and get themselves up to the tier that Chattanooga FC is in, That's like an awesome rivalry, Mm -hmm. like that, like a really great rivalry. Right. But instead you get like the sort of negative intrigue that happened there. Right. And it's all a product of the system, right? Like Mm -hmm. nobody should like necessarily be able to sell those guys. They can't start their own club. Right. It's just the way that it happened. Right. And the system creates the conditions in which that is the way people go about things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more of that disenfranchising dis um, enfranchising um, that from rules. Yeah, um, and in England's been doing soccer for a long time. Germany's been playing soccer for a long time, and they've got a pretty good system going there um, that doesn't disenfranchise people quite as badly in in these ways, at least. They have their own problems, so and we're not here to say that they're perfect, but um, you know some of the things we don't like here. I think we have pretty good examples of of how to fix those things. So we'll get there. We'll get there. There's definitely a
1: a nicely designed wheel. And for whatever reason, we keep trying to reinvent the
0: wheel. Well, you know, maybe we'll make more money on a square wheel, you know?
1: (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) All right, man. Um, Chris, tell everyone where they can find your work. I recommend everybody go look this up.
1: Cool. So uh, the website is midfieldpress.com. Um, and then uh, I also just do a lot of stuff on Twitter. So it's just my last name, K-I-V as in Victor, L-E-H-A-N as in Norm. Uh, so it's Kivlahan, And uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter or you can follow uh, Midfield Press, the website, either one. Uh, that's where my stuff goes.
0: Chris, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me. Today's show was brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We've also been brought to you by Golden Goal Press. It's the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price at other, <laughs> of other places at GoldenGoldpress.com.